0: mm <music> Hello and welcome to Talking HE. My name is Santanu Vasant. In this episode, we speak to Dominic Arnell, Chief Executive of Just Like Us, the LGBT charity. We discuss what the organization does, the impact it has on young people, and what higher education could do to support LGBT people more. We hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Um, My name's Dominic Arnall, and I'm Chief Executive of Just Like Us, the LGBT plus Young People's Charity.
0: Thank you Dominic for joining us on Talking HE. What does your organisation do?
1: Sure, so Just Like Us is an organisation focused on improving the experience of LGBT plus young people growing up and we've got a number of programmes that focus on doing that. So the first one is called the Ambassador Programme where we train 18 to 25 year old LGBT plus volunteers speak in schools, workplaces, and in the media about their experiences of LGBT plus people. Um, the second program is called School Diversity Week. And at the end of June, we have um, an, a big event that involves schools across the country and providing schools with everything they need to celebrate LGBT plus diversity and inclusion. Um, and this year we engage with schools representing 2.8 million young people. And thirdly, we have a program called Pride Groups, which is a program that brings together LGBT plus young people and their allies in schools to really create a safe space initially and then a place from which. Um, LGBT initiatives within the school can be supported by LGBT young people in that school. What impact has your organisation had? So in terms of in terms of impact, um, we like to focus really on two main groups. So the first group is we look at our volunteers as a beneficiary group themselves. So that's 18 to 25 year olds um, who are much more likely to say that they'll be happy to be out as a result of being part of our programme. Uh, and we also look at the impact on young people. So this is um, within schools are the young people that are part of our pride groups, part of School Diversity Week, um, or part of, um, the, um, part of the school talks. Um, and young people, as a result of being part of our programme, much more likely to say they would challenge homophobic, biphobic or transphobic language, uh, and are much more likely to say that, that um, they would accept an LGBT plus young person as a friend.
0: That's great. Have you done any research or published any reports recently?
1: Yes, we have. So we we did a piece of research um, that was looking at the experience of LGBT plus young people during lockdown. And one of the reasons we were curious to do this is that although the last year and a half has been very difficult for everybody, we were particularly concerned about the mental health of LGBT plus young people. And the reason for that is that A previous piece of research we did showed that in contrast to straight young people, LGBT plus young people tend to confide most in their friends. Whereas non-LGBT plus young people tend to confide most in their families. And there's a bit of a barrier there. So so we heard that 25% of LGBT plus young people experience tensions with their immediate family every day. Um, And there is this historic barrier between LGBT plus young people and the people that they're living with. So for us, we were concerned that the young people in our networks had been deprived, if you like, of those support networks for now up to a year. Um, and unfortunately, the research showed that we were right that actually LGBT plus young people were more likely to say their mental health had got worse during this period than non-LGBT plus young people. Uh, and additionally, of course, this is a group with historically poor rates of mental health anyway.
0: What do you think higher education should do to support LGBT plus people more?
1: So I think something that I, I think is very interesting is that the majority of LGBT plus people, myself included, um, came out in higher education. So it's kind of, it's it's the place where um, it's, it's it can be a really wonderful experience, I think, for LGBT plus young people. The only other thing I would say is that actually after higher education, a third of LGBT plus people are likely to go back in the closet. Uh, and this can be extremely damaging for mental health as we know. So I think if I said, what should higher education be aware of, I'd say that this is likely to be a period for young people where all this sort of thing is coming up and they're looking into this in more depth and dealing with some of the challenges that come uh, with living as an authentic, an authentic life uh, in that period. So I think additional support for LGBT plus young people at university um, is a really really good thing and particularly actually as they leave university and start going into jobs, um, having that, that follow-up support is really important too.
0: Are there differences between groups of LGBT plus
1: young people. Well, what we found was that the burden of poor mental health was greatest um, on those with the least resources, effectively. So if you were eligible for free school meals, uh, your mental health was likely to be even worse uh, than if you weren't. And that was particularly true of LGBT plus young people who were also eligible for free school meals. And um, disabled LGBT plus young people also had very, very negative mental health outcomes that were exacerbated by COVID-19 and the pandemic.
0: What can secondary schools do to support young people
1: more? So I think there are schools that do all sorts of things. I think the most important thing to say is that you should do something. Because whatever it is that you do, um, LGBT plus young people will notice and they will make sure that they're present for that. And it it is the most interesting thing to talk to LGBT plus adults who will remember the precise time they heard people talk about LGBT inclusion positively. Um, I think what we're seeing at the moment from our research is that a third of young people are saying that their schools are doing absolutely nothing to support LGBT plus young people. So obviously that's contrary to Ofsted's guidance, um, but also you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of young people who are never hearing any positive reinforcement about who they are, and that's going to cause all manner of problems in their life for their mental health uh, growing up. So I'd say that Broadly, and I know it's it's a it's a bit of a funny answer, but whatever you do, if you make sure that you're doing something positive, and I I hate the idea that that people would not act because they wouldn't know what to do. Because actually, if you put up a poster, celebrate pride, if you do um, a display on the wall, all these things, whether they might seem very small, but they're contributing to someone going, okay, who I am is okay. So I'd say start anywhere, uh, and if you need any support, obviously, just like us, are here to help. I think there's a bit of a there's still a bit of a misunderstanding, you know. If you don't know any LGBT plus people, and if your um, networks don't have any LGBT plus people in, then really, where do you start? And I think this is where we would call for certainly for more, bit more guidance from the government on this matter, certainly for schools, um, because I think a lot of the time schools rely on third sector organisations, on charities, to sort of meet that knowledge gap sometimes. Uh, And of course, some schools are absolutely fantastic at this on their own, which is also great. Um, But really, I think, as with other issues, it's really if we could get some statutory guidance from the government to say that this is what they want schools to do. We've already told schools that um, their work should include LGBT inclusive learning, but we haven't told schools what, what, what that looks like in practice, and I think that would be very helpful.
0: Thank you to Dominic Arnell for his time. Coming up next time on Talking HE, we speak to Dr Lakeisha Leggett-Jones and Donna Smith, two maths educators who teach a diverse range of students pursuing STEM-based degrees in the U.S. A preview coming up.
2: The nature of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics um, has a component of it that, because of its complexity, abstract thoughts, a difficult layer, not to say that other disciplines don't have difficulties, they surely do, but many of the concepts are abstract, And the way that we've taught them in the past is we have this formulaic process, which is we introduce the theory, we prove the theory, and we do some examples. And it turns out if you do a reverse design, which is start with a few concrete examples, then the students, you've kind of leveraged the field or or graded the soils so that they're ready to jump in and and approach the more theoretical aspects of it? Because concrete examples are just that examples. That doesn't mean it's always gonna be the case. I definitely agree with uh, all that uh, Donna has just laid out. And I'll add to that, that, you know, we're in a world now where we invest in technology, right? It is happening, right? And it's not gonna end. And we know that STEM drives a lot of that. And so, just as we have this idea and this thought that um, you know all of our students should have you know fair access to education, our students should have fair access to STEM education.
0: All that and more in the next episode of Talking He. If you've got a question or comment or would like to take part in a future episode, then please tweet at Talking He Pod. Until then, I've been santinivasant and this has been Talking He.